You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Praise the Lord for what He's done for us. Amen. Um, we're sure glad you're with us here this evening. I will mention to you that in uh, a few minutes after I've uh, preached a little bit here, I'm going to probably ask if we could all gather. Those of you who are planning on participating in the Lord's Supper tonight, eventually I'd like for us all to be in the two center sections, and we'll do that here after I preach for a bit. But, you know, um, <clears throat> in the title of my message tonight and it's an abbreviated message, is uh, the proper observance of the Lord's Supper. Um, just taking a look at it in light of what was taking place there in the Corinthian church. A common question I get, many parents will come up to me and say, Pastor, uh, we just want to know, our kids have been asking us, can we partake of the Lord's Supper and so forth? And what's really important for us to understand is the Lord's Supper is a church ordinance, and that's the way we need to understand it. It's, it was given to the church um, in local churches like we are here tonight. So what does it take to be a part of the church? It's, first of all, saved and then scripturally baptized. And so I would just say that to many of the parents here tonight, if your children know Christ as Savior and they followed through in believer's baptism and have come into the church membership, of course. And, and then, of course, that would apply to the rest of us. A lot of folks believe that the, the ordinances that Jesus Christ gave to us are Christian ordinances. And yet it's much more specific than that. They're really church ordinances for the local church. Just something to bear in mind and keep in mind. So um, with that in mind, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11 tonight? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I mentioned this morning that I, I really love getting together with uh, church and my, my number one favorite place is right here at Eastside Baptist Church. Anywhere in the world I could choose to go to worship the Lord would be right here with this church. Not necessarily in these walls, but with this church. Everywhere we've ever, ever gathered, whether it's been for a 4th of July activity or somewhere else, and we've had um, you know, some kind of a church service, I've really enjoyed being together with our church. So while we come together, what God's intention for a church is, is that a church has, um, you know, a proper order of service, so to speak. So that things are in order and we're doing things in a way that, first of all, gives glory to God, and it's not for our own purposes. And so you're going to find Paul coming to us here in chapter 11. And those of you who have been with us on Wednesday night, you already know this church has a lot of problems. This church has problems with division in the church, and there's a lot of things as we work our way through the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians that this church really struggled with, and Paul really understood the need to come in and help bring correction to the church and help them to understand what a church is supposed to look like, how they're supposed to act, and what's proper and what's improper. And there were just a lot of improper things taking place in the church at Corinth. Read chapter 1, the first two or three verses. It's clear Paul is dealing with this church, and this is a church ordinance, so he's got to get it straightened out. 
So these people were, uh, uh, here's what you need to understand as we get into chapter 11. Uh, again, a lot of different things have been being corrected, but in the text that I'm going to give you tonight, Paul is zeroing in on uh, communion. And uh, we can call it communion, even uh, the Bible teaches us this, is not this the communion of the body of Christ. Uh, so we've called it communion, and others call it the Lord's Supper. So um, as we head into the Lord's Supper tonight, um, it's important that we understand as a congregation we need to be together. Uh, we need to be walking together. We need to be in unity as we are walking. And things need to be decently done and in order. So let's look, if you will, if you're in chapter 11 already, drop down to verse 17. 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen, and again, he's already dealt with some other issues prior to this, and now we'll get into uh, the subject of communion, all right? And we'll read down through the first oh, five or six verses. So here's what he says to them, now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, so they must have problems with what's coming up here, that ye come together not, notice the wording here, not for the better, but for the worse. So when you guys have come together, he says, uh, things aren't getting better at church. You don't walk out of the house of God and, and know that church is better. I'm better because of having attended the services for the night. He says, uh, not for the better, but it's actually worse. And by the time these guys got done in the church service, there was even whatever problems were, there was even more of them. There was even more division and strife and more of the other things we're going to bring up here in just a moment. So then get into verse uh, 18 with me. For, first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved or living right may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, he's talking to them as a church body now, when you guys all gather together, you assemble uh, into one place, he said, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. And then let me add to that so you understand what he's saying, in the way that they were doing it, definitely not in the way that they were doing it. This is not the purpose uh, for the Lord's Supper, and we'll explain that here in just a minute, okay? Um, verse 21 begins to address some of the real issues. For in eating, imagine taking the Lord's Supper, everyone taketh before other his own supper. And can you imagine this? One is hungry and another is, what? Drunken. You say, well, oh, surely not in church. They, that, that word doesn't really mean like they got drunk, does it? Yeah, that's what it means. It's exactly what he was talking about there. In verse 22, what? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and, um, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. And then he goes on down into... Um, directly into uh, speaking about how he received the order of the Lord's Supper, what it's supposed to look like, and what a church ought to be uh, trying to practice when they uh, do the Lord's Supper. We'll get into those thoughts uh, during uh, the actual 
observing the Lord's Supper. But let me have a word of prayer. I want to cover some of these thoughts here this evening. God, we're grateful to be here in your house tonight. And uh, Lord, I know we're, we're about to observe supper, and if we can put it this way with you, and I realize, Lord, our hearts need to be right. Individually, our hearts need to be made right. And I realize, God, we shouldn't be coming to the table with dirty hands. But our hearts should be right. We ought not to come to the table where there might be things wrong between brothers and sisters in, in Christ, but that those things need to be corrected before we would observe something as holy and sacred as something that pictures your own body and your own blood. So help us to understand, number one, the significance of it, not just the negative aspect of it, Lord, but also the positive and the, and the fellowship and the closeness that we can sense when we are observing the Lord's Supper. Would you bless us in that way tonight? And I would certainly thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. First of all, let me just make two or three thoughts here tonight, and then again, we're going to go right into the Lord's Supper. First of all, uh, what Paul was trying to get across to these people is they were coming together to assemble. Lots of times churches are called assemblies, especially back in the day, they didn't always call them a church. They would be called an assembly. Uh, I know the uh, assemblies of God probably originate from that. They would assemble together, and when the body comes together, the body is united. The body has come together. Christ is the head of the body, and here is the body that is worshiping together. But first of all, church assembling is intended to make us a better church. That is the purpose of uniting together as a a body of believers. And I want you to go back down, look with me again in verse 17, and let's, let's notice what he said there, chapter 11 and verse 17. Now, he said, in this that I declare unto you, what I'm about to tell you, he says, I praise you not. This is not something that uh, you guys can be built up for. That ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. So do you think he's trying to train them and teach them that, you know, let's work on this worse thing? Or do you think the emphasis ought to have been on whatever it is that he's talking about that's supposed to make a church better? And I believe that was his emphasis. Guys, you've got some things out of order. Things are not getting better when you assemble at the house of God. They get worse. But the idea is church is supposed to make us or to bring us to a place of, of being better around the things of the Lord. So clearly this verse is telling them that Instead of the real purpose for church, when you guys come together, you sing your songs or whatever it is you guys do, they were making things worse by their assembling. He says you would have been better off if you hadn't even come together because when you left and whatever this assembling thing looked like and you walked away, the church was the worst for it. It wasn't right. It was, in, it was improper. But when we assemble, our body of Christ should be made better. I have some real precious memories walking out of church as a young boy and, uh, and getting into our old station wagon, the old white station wagon, and then dad bought a blue station wagon years after that. Five kids and mom and dad, they needed a station wagon. And, and, uh, and I can just remember feeling right. It seemed right. Uh, and, and, and I didn't use those words in my head, but as a little boy that didn't understand everything, I just loved the way it felt to walk out of church with my mom and dad and 
having had a church service and the singing was good, maybe somebody, uh, old Brother Barnes was, uh, it would give a test, time of testimony, and, and Brother Barnes, I wish, <laughs> I wish you knew some of my friends from the past, it's been a lot of years ago, over 50 years ago, but old Brother Barnes would get up and he would testify, and when he would testify, he'd be really nervous, but he really, really wanted to say something for the Lord. And so when he would testify, he'd keep his hands in his pockets. But when he would uh, keep his hands in his pockets, he would do this with his hands. And he always had about $5 worth of change in this pocket and three sets of keys in this pocket. I'm not kidding. And, and the whole time, those jingling would go on. I couldn't hear a word he was saying. All I heard was the jingling. And I remember old brother Eddie Bates praising the Lord and my dad saying amen to what brother Barnes was saying. And the little kids would sit around and smile because brother Barnes jingled his pockets through the service. But I remember going home and remembering that was good. My heart was made better. And as I grew up and began to understand and I got saved and uh, was baptized and became a part of, the, of that body of believers, man, my, I began to grow. And then, of course, as I've gone into Bible college, and then this is the only church I have known since Bible college. It's unbelievable that God's allowed me to stay here. I can't tell you how um, blessed it is to walk out of here Sunday after Sunday and just say in my heart, that just, that felt good. Something was right. Something was right about that. I, I feel better for having been in church. But I think we can all probably look, look back to times in our church life where maybe we walked out of a service and things weren't the best. Maybe something happened. Maybe there was some kind of division. There was some kind of strife. Um, unbelievable things happened possibly. And, and, uh, and you went home and you felt the exact opposite. And maybe you said, I just, that doesn't feel right. My heart doesn't feel good tonight. I'm brokenhearted. I've laid in bed at nights on Sunday nights after some services, tears streaming down the sides of my face because something wasn't right. I wasn't made better during those times, but Paul is saying to them, guys, um, I, I need to declare this unto you. I praise you not that you come together not for the better, but you guys, he said, have come together for the worse. And really, he's saying we need to get this straightened out. It's only right when you leave a church service that your heart is made better in the Lord. Things were done decently and in order. So how, how are we to be made better by coming to church, guys? Uh, well, one of those ways that the Bible teaches us is that uh, it's very clear. The, the Bible says, let all things be done unto edification. Now, the word edification means to build up, to encourage. It doesn't mean to, uh, you know, build somebody up in pride. It's not talking about that. But God does tell us very clearly one of your purposes when you come to church is to help build up the body. If you walk out of the church service, listen to this very carefully, if you can walk out of church and get in your car and drive home and either feel like, man, I think I hurt somebody's feelings, or even this, I don't think I had a real impact in anybody's life. I didn't hurt anybody's feelings. And I didn't make anybody feel any better either. I, you know, I just kind of neutral all day long. Hey, everybody look up here. Then you missed the point. Because you come together to edify and to build up. You should not come and sit like a bump on a log, uh, sing the songs, smile when you're told to smile, um, you know, shake hands when you're told to, and, and then walk out. That is not the purpose of church. The purpose of church is to build up the body of Christ. 
Find a way before you leave a church service to help someone feel encouraged in the Lord, to let them know, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I, I, I mean, I know men have a hard time with this, but say, say to somebody, I, really, I love you in the Lord. You're, you, you're special to me. And, and uh, something about your life really challenges me. Encourage somebody and build them up. So one of the ways a church can be made better by having assembled is to edify and, and to encourage and to challenge one another, all right? Um, sometimes it takes a discerning eye to be able to detect that somebody is discouraged or frustrated. But I will tell you this, a quick run back to the drinking fountain or to run over here to grab this and that is not going to allow you to notice when somebody was hurting. And I realize we have ministries, and I, I, I understand I've got to take care of an issue, and I'm bad at this too. You'll see me, and I've got my eyes on one place, and I'm zipping past people. I'm waving at bodies that I see, kind of like this. But I really don't take the time to really stop and shake your hand. But somewhere along the way in the night, you need to stop and be real and personable and encouraging and challenging to somebody's life. Do not go out of here having been a zero. Surely don't be one that would uh, put the negative in somebody's life, but help somebody challenge them. Look in people's hearts. Find when somebody's hurting. Be the one to take the time to try to help build up and to challenge and encourage those people, if you would. That ought to be the goal of uh, each of us as we come to church. Of course, Lord willing, the preaching and the teaching of God's Word, whether it's a Sunday school class, preaching in, the, in, the, in uh, the auditorium, it ought to change us bit by bit by bit. We ought to be made better by the preaching services as well that takes place here week after week after week. So let me say this, guys. When we leave church, we should leave knowing that I'm a better person for having come to church. And if you're walking to the car and something just doesn't seem right, why don't you turn back around? Why don't you go back in and look around and find out who I could challenge and build up? Don't leave having not been somebody who edifies and builds up. Let's look what he said. Now in this, I declare unto you, I praise you not. I can't give you praise, guys, uh, that you come together not for the better but for the worse. God help us. Now we're, and this is leading up to the Lord's Supper. That's what, this, that's what he's doing here. So we want to be better as after we're finished with the Lord's Supper tonight. We want to feel like we had real communion with our God and, and our Savior. But uh, I'm just saying, make sure when you come to the body of Christ that you've done something to help edify and build one another up. I've grown in Christ. I feel the better for it. And that's the way God intends that. Number, uh, number two tonight. Church attendance ought to be without division and strife. And I, I know I've already said this, but would you look in verses 18 and 19? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but it does say, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I, I partly believe it. In other words, I've heard enough from credible witnesses that I can't help but believe that some of what is being said here is true. I partly believe it. Uh, verse 19 <clears throat> for there must be also heresies, or things that are wrong, er errors among you guys. There must uh, be also heresies among you that 
they which are approved or those who are living right, trying to, to live a, a, li- a right life, may be made manifest among you. So if I can just simply say this as well, I said it in my prayer time, please listen to me. If there's something in your heart that's not right, and husbands and wives will understand this immediately, uh, isn't it amazing when you get in the car how Satan likes to jump in the back seat sometimes? How difficult the ride to church can all of a sudden just become. Um, sometimes a husband-wife relationship is not uh, at a place where it should be. And it's, and it's been a struggle, possibly. We can all relate to that, guys. We understand that. But if, if there's uh, something with you and your children, if there's something with, boy, a fellow church member that's not right, that's not right. You're not coming to bed, uh, together for the better. We're, we're coming together for the worse. If we allow there to be division, knowing that, and not willing to make it right, and, and my heart's not in a place where I just, I don't want to go there. That's, you've maybe heard folks say that. Maybe you've been there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to so-and-so. I don't want to try to work on that. Well, just understand, that's for the worse. That's not a heart that God is looking for to try to have communion with him tonight and, and uh, to be truly appreciative of his broken body and of his shed blood for you and me tonight. And I would just, let me just put it very simply. If there's something not right, get it right. What would you wait for? We had a revival service in Duncanville, Texas at the church I attended And during the revival, the evangelist that was preaching said, revival is instant obedience the minute God speaks to your heart. We believe that? I believe that's true. He said, for that reason, while I'm preaching, if God reveals something to you during the message, we have a prayer room and we had a, it was actually the youth room back in the back part of the building, all set up and ready to go. And he said, "If, uh, if you know God's dealing with your heart, don't wait. He says, get up right now and go back and deal, uh, do business with God and make it right. We'll have, uh, we'll have an invitation here in a little bit. And I would just say, if there's something that needs to be dealt with, get it dealt with. We're not playing games when we come to the house of God. And God is not just the next guy sitting in the pew. He's our creator, gave his life for us so that we could be made right with him. Uh, thirdly tonight church attendance is not for personal reward now look in verse 20 when you come together therefore into one place this is not to eat the lord's supper and somebody might say well what i thought that's why you would come together so you could maybe possibly observe the lord's supper well not the way they were doing it all right Uh, what paul is saying is uh, uh, uh attending church listen to me attending church It's not just another excuse to be able to indulge your appetites and then put a spiritual label on it like he begins to describe here in in just a few minutes. They were creating two different extremes at church and both were making the church worse and not better. It's what some would do. Uh, Some would bring us huge feast to church and eat it and call it the Lord's Supper. And the whole time they're gorging themselves, there's another family across the room who is starving. Look with me in verse uh, 21. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. And one is hungry, 
and uh, another is drunken. Now listen to what he says in verse 22. This, this explains a lot. What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and, um, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Have you not houses to eat and to drink in, or despise ye the church of God? How are you despising the church of God? Because they were making the house of God just like um, your house back home. You were making supper at church no different than the supper they would have at the house. And they would gorge themselves at church like they would at the house. And uh, it was just another place to come and eat. We could go home saying, I, I, I had the Lord's Supper. Why? Because you ate it at church or, or with the assembly. That was no more the Lord's Supper than any other meal that you were having, he said. And he wanted them to get that and understand it. Um, so what was worse than you've got uh, another group in church that's drunk. Oh, my goodness. And now more than likely, it's possible that, you know, in their pre-Christian days, and some of those people who had been getting saved were probably idol worshipers. And it was probably done like that in, in their idol feasts. They probably did come to an idol feast and stuff and gorge themselves and would drink and partake of things that uh, Christians ought not to be doing nowadays. But Paul comes along and says, guys, we're different now. We, we have somebody else guiding and directing our heart and soul. Our appetites are guided in a whole different way now. And what they were doing was sinful and all in the name of the Lord's Supper made it even more disgusting. So, again, they were making the Lord's Supper just something common, no different than any other meal they ate at their house. Uh, They were missing the significance and the distinction of this supper, the Lord's Supper. I know some churches will take the Lord's Supper every service. I know churches that, I know independent Baptist churches that every service they will partake of the Lord's Supper. For me personally, I would just tell you this, that would become too common. I'm just telling you me. That would make it too common for me. And it would get to a place where it would lose its specialness for me. And this church had lost the distinction of it. It was just like any other meal. They, they, they missed out on what God really wanted them to understand. So when the Lord's Supper is taken, I should leave with a deep conviction in my heart that Christ sacrificed greatly to bring me into a right relationship with the Father. He gave his life to do that. My thoughts should be drawn to God and not to feasting. The elements or the bread and the juice. The elements of the supper should satisfy a spiritual hunger and not a physical appetite. You understand that? So let me just say this and then we're going to head toward the, the Lord's Supper. Guys, you can't help coming to church and concentrating on the great sacrifice that Jesus made for us and going away feeling like my life is better because of what Christ has done for me. So when we observe this properly, and I realize that this this bread represents that broken body of Jesus Christ, and I'm able to stand here at the house of God and assemble with fellow believers because he gave us his body to be broken for me. We drink that juice and it represents that blood of Jesus Christ. It only represents. I know there's a lot that can be said about whether uh, you understand the reason the bread's not fermented because fermentation was a type of sin. And the reason the juice is just grape juice. It could be called wine in the Bible 
because uh, both intoxicating and non-intoxicating juice was called wine in the Bible. Both of them were. But fermentation is a type of sin, and we don't use an element that represents sin to be able to partake of the blood of uh, Christ's shed blood for me or his broken body. And I know there's a lot of churches that do otherwise, and I know they have their explanations, but I do believe they miss the mark. That's all I'm going to say about that. So Paul takes the next set of verses to explain to the Corinthians what the Lord's Supper is supposed to look like. Uh, we're, we're not going to necessarily read all of these verses, but we'll take some other verses that we'll read here in just a moment. And uh, so I'd like to, at this time, if we could, uh, take just a moment and uh, have a, a brief invitation, if we can, uh, or, or as lengthy as it needs to be. I want to give you an opportunity to be able to talk to God. And, and like we just discussed here in, uh, in these verses, have you come tonight, and listen to me, have you come tonight in such a way that when this service is finished, the church would have been made better. Your life will have been made better as a result of what we're about to do. And if there's some things there, there's an altar. There's a place you can kneel right where you're at. Uh, if there's someone you need to get with, well, I don't want somebody to see me right here in the church service. Oh, really? Have we come to that place that I wouldn't go to a brother or a sister in Christ to make things right? God help us. We need to be made the better. And if God would, would so deal with your heart, uh, I, I pray that you'd let God have his will in his way. So could we have the pianist come and, uh, and play some for our invitation here tonight? And then we'll give you an opportunity here in just a moment to, to be able to pray as well. So let's bow together in prayer, if you would. Heads bowed and eyes closed. So Heavenly Father, I would come to this throne of grace again tonight, God, with a very grateful heart tonight for the things that you have done for us. And as we begin to reflect tonight on Calvary once again, and I remember that day that I uh, made my way to the cross and called out to the Lord, we just want to thank you, Lord, that you were willing to lay your body down for us and be broken for us, and then that your blood would be spilled for us to make an atonement for our sin and uh, to make a remission for our sins. I thank you for that tonight. And I'm asking you, God, as I look even in my own heart again tonight and with others here this evening, uh, help us to uh, take a good, honest look and understand uh, we need to be the better, not, not the worse. This needs to be something to uh, be encouraging and edifying and building up of the body tonight. And if there are things in our hearts that need to be dealt with, please, may we take advantage of this opportunity to do so. And we ask it in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. You're welcome to remain seated or you're welcome to come to an altar. If God leads your heart tonight while the uh, instruments play, would you do business with the Lord? We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.